Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Nick Polkowski. Nick, welcome to the show. Hi, Henry. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Uh, Nick is a business owner, and his passion is podcasting. Uh, knowing the power of the spoken word, he knew the potential a podcast can have to inspire and teach. Uh, that's what drove him to put together and uh, to team to help uh, put together a team rather to help others get their message to their audience with ease. His company is called Your Podcast Guru, and it's designed to help speakers, trainers, and coaches grow their community by creating websites, podcasts, and membership sites. The goal is to help content creators focus only on creating great content and not have to worry about any of the technology. And you can find out more at yourpodcastguru.com. We'll chat about that business and what led Nick to build that business and what he offers there. And we're going to, in this episode, chat about his journey, how he got to where he is today. And he's going to share some tips and advice on how you can use as a small business owner a podcast to help you grow or even to start your business. So once again, Nick, welcome to the show. Awesome. I'm really excited to dive into podcasting today. Absolutely. Where where are you? Where are we speaking to you today? Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. Is that where you're from originally? Uh, a little north of here originally, but I've been here since 2006. Got it. So in doing the, the research, you, uh, you, you talk about having discovered a passion for communication when did that come to you? When do you think you realized, I've got a gift here, and I think this is the way I'm going to help others achieve success? Honestly, I think part of it was just very early on, I loved stories. Uh, so I loved finding out more about people. I loved actually reading biographies, even as an earlier, uh, you know, in elementary and high school even. Um, spent a lot of time reading autobiographies and just hearing the stories of people, the struggles they went through, the, the challenges they overcome, and how they put those into place. So I think that's a huge part of it. Um, and then in high school, I was involved, and even in junior high, I was involved in the Future Farmers of America, the FFA, uh, in our local area. And uh, a big thing I did with them was competed in speaking contests. Our advisor kind of pushed me that direction to go, hey, try this, uh, you know, get used to speaking in front of people, get used to crafting speeches, sharing ideas. Uh, and that's something I did. I did very well at that and have been really interested in the realm of speaking, public speaking, and sharing stories pretty much ever since. Interesting. So were you uh, supposed to have been a farmer? Um, I never got, I did work on farms. We didn't actually live on a farm. I worked on several, uh, but I was much more in the leadership space. Uh, presentation, speaking, and then the agri-science realm. So I competed at the National Agri-Science Fair uh, and National Student Agri-Science Student of the Year runner-up. Uh, so I was much more in the scientific aspect and then the actual presentation aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So when did when did you know you wanted to be your own boss? Um, I never, re I didn't have the words for that quite early on. I definitely didn't know about entrepreneurship. Uh, early on, part of it, I think, was growing around, up around a lot of that and not really completely realizing what it was. So farming essentially is an entrepreneur type business. Uh, you know, you're working for yourself. You're, uh, you're, it all really depends on you. Um, my grandpa also owned, uh, both my grandpas were entrepreneurs in different ways. One owned a bar, one uh, owned a heating and air conditioning company. Uh, so I was always kind of surrounded by it, um, and I think it started very early on. As a kindergartner, I actually uh, – my mom used to pack a lunch for me to take to school and, you know, would have all kinds of awesome snacks in it, like those Scooby fruit snacks. I don't know if you remember those, but those were excellent. Everybody loved those. Um, I started keeping those and not eating them during lunch and then would trade them on the bus for small toys. And then I would eventually trade those small toys for a little bit bigger toys. And that kind of continued on for a little while until I traded all the way up to a bike one day. Um, that kid's parents were not too happy with me. Uh, and so that kind of shut down that, you know, fledgling business, if you will. Uh, but even in high school, I was uh, you know, doing all kinds of different little entrepreneurial type schemes, not necessarily having the vocabulary for it, uh, but realizing that I... 
always wanted to kind of create a company, create my own thing and really be the boss, do the person, be the person kind of in charge and really grow something that will eventually outlast me. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. So after college, what did you do? So I actually uh, started speaking to high school and college students. I traveled around the country. Uh, so we were mentioning FFA. I got my start as a public speaker there. I became a state FFA officer for Wisconsin. And during that time period, it's in college. I'm traveling around giving presentations and workshops to other students uh, about leadership, about uh, different aspects like that. And I kind of decided that I liked that. I wanted to keep doing that. Uh, so that was the first business I really started was a speaking business where I was working with student organizations, helping their officers run those student organizations, traveling around the country, uh, speaking to different organizations. Uh, and and it was a great time. I really enjoyed that business. And it's kind of actually what led me into the podcasting world. Yeah, sure. I, I can see that. So, but let's talk about that. What what brought you to podcasting? What was your first exposure to podcasting? Um, along the way, as kind of uh, starting in the speaking career, I uh, spent so much time on the craft, you know, putting together the great speeches and trying to present speeches. I was doing a different speech for almost every single talk that I was, or a different workshop for almost every single talk that I was giving. Um and I got so focused just on that content and that deliverable that I stopped kind of reaching out to people and trying to bring in new business. So it eventually got to a point where in this fledgling business, I uh, just paid rent and had $7 left to my name. Uh, and I knew that needed to last me another 11 days. Um, so I had the kind of painful experience of sneaking back into the college cafeteria because I knew that they had free peanut butter on the condiment like area. So I ate a lid full of peanut butter for 11 days trying to just make it until that next check came in. But the big lesson that that really taught me was the importance of constantly being marketing about constantly being in front of people and getting your name out there. Uh, and so with that lesson, I uh, started to look for ways to do that. And I always loved podcasting. I loved listening to podcasts. I started listening to them back as a freshman in college, back in like 06, 07, uh, you know, would listen to them all the time in on the way to class in class sometimes. Uh, and I thought, Hey, I like to speak. I create content, uh, really well by speaking. I'm not such a great writer, but it really is that actual talking and communicating that that's how I create content best. Uh, so let's try this podcasting realm. I figured out how to produce a podcast, how to get it out on iTunes and get it up there for everybody. And that was really kind of led me down that path. So I started creating my own show. I'd bring on guests, uh, and most of my guests were other speakers because those are the people I knew. Uh, and I brought on this one guest named Hal Elrod, and he was just about to release a book called The Miracle Morning. Uh, our audience, my audience loved the his episode, so I went to his website to try and point them to more information about Hal and more ways they could connect with him realized that he was blogging like once every three months or something like that. And so I uh, took a little while, but I finally convinced him because he was a friend that, hey, let me produce a show for you. All you have to do is show up and talk to me on Skype for 30 minutes once a week, and we can create a solid podcast. We can help grow your audience. Uh, and really, we did that. His his show started rapidly growing, uh, when started going really well, and then more people started asking me about it. And I eventually kind of accidentally ran into the podcasting business. And helping others get started. Now, exactly. there has to have been a period of time there, Nick, though, before you got to a point where you were generating enough revenues with your podcast guru. How did you manage in that interim? Where did the money come from? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it was, I was still full time speaking for a long time. Like speaking was the main job. Uh, that's what I was doing, traveling around, uh, presenting. Um, and, you know, some of the months I was on the road just about every single day, especially like October and February, they were crazy months for me as a speaker. Uh, literally both those months, I'd get, be lucky if I got to spend one night at home in bed. Um, but 
what it kind of was, was just slowly growing things. So Hal originally his podcast, I think I gave away the first like six episodes. I'm like, Hey, let's try this for six episodes. See if it works. If it does start paying me a very insignificant amount of money. Uh, but that was the way to get the ball rolling to allow me to test, to see if I actually could do this, if I could actually help him grow an audience. And then, uh, through connect people who knew him, they eventually were asking me, I was answering emails all the time about how to get started in the podcasting world. And then uh, finally just, it was actually at another conference where I was learning, I was a, it was a speaking conference uh, for, pe- for speakers who wanted to grow their business, uh, that one of the presenters up there, Dan Miller is his name, uh, he does 48 Days to the Work You Love. He mentioned one little thing that every time he gets three questions on a topic, he creates a product around it. And here I'm sitting with about 12 emails to answer in my inbox all about podcasting. And I'm still trying to grow the student organization speaking business. Uh, and that's kind of where I decided, okay, let's put a little more effort into this this podcasting side. Let's start you know, reaching out to people and start trying to grow it and see what I can do. That's great. So three years later, is this your primary business now? Yes, this is the business. This has been full-time since three years. So the actual podcasting part probably started about a year and a half before that. But about, I think actually we're at on like three and a half years. It was in March um, that officially like that I hung the hat. Okay, this is the last time I'm doing a speaking gig. Uh, that was the last speaking gig. We slowly just kind of rolled out of that. Uh, and I've been full-time podcasting ever since. Do you still sometimes, though, use speaking as a uh, promotion for the business? There was a long period of time where I did not do much speaking at all. Now it's starting to kind of pick back up again. For the longest time, we were very much referrals. Um, So there wasn't a lot of actual marketing in terms of your podcast guru, in terms of the service side of the business. Uh, But now that we're diving a little bit more into the teaching aspect, teaching people how to do podcasting, I am starting to go out there and get some, get more and more speaking gigs now. That's that's wonderful. All right, let's start to dive in then the topic of, from a business owner's perspective, which is our audience how podcasting might help me either start or or grow my business. In your experience, what's an ideal type of business that benefits greatly from podcasting? I think I can apply it to a lot of different businesses, but there's got to be a sweet spot there that you've experienced. Tell us about that if you would. Yeah, and I think you're right on there that it it can really apply to just about any type of business. Um, but essentially, with the so the sweet spot in terms of clients we work with, partly because that's the environment I came out of, it's going to be a lot of speakers, coaches, and authors. Uh, however, any business that can really more and more businesses are becoming information type businesses, or I can have some sort of element of information there where they're creating content that's going to connect with an audience. Because what a podcast does, it it does a great job of being kind of that top of the funnel, uh, letting people find out about you, but then create a relationship with you, get to know, like, and trust you uh, because you're showing up again and again, and you're sharing stories, you're sharing insights, you're sharing advice. So any business that can figure out how to structure that element in is going to do a great job because a podcast is just essentially a way to reach out and connect with others. So a great example might be the one one you might not traditionally think of would be like, say, a restaurant. Uh, you know, podcasting can work really well for restaurants because if that restaurant is reaching out and talking about the food that they're creating, why they created this dish, what the significance is behind it, because a lot of times, especially these higher end restaurants, there's going to be some reason that the chef decided to put this dish on the menu. You know, it maybe reminisces of a meal they had as a child and they can talk about that. Or maybe they're pairing it, they recommend pairing it with this wine. Well, people who love food, love wine, want to know why do you do these work together? And that's going to help draw people to that restaurant, help them have an affinity for it, help them have a connection for it. And then it's also going to share some of the stories of the people who work there, you know, sharing stories of why the owner decided to start this restaurant or uh, the chef's take, uh, what they like to do, like what they're, what 
elements they work well with in that restaurant. So that's just a, like a quick example of what it can do. But even for like, say a realtor, that can be a, a podcast can be a great way because ultimately what that realtor wants to do is they want to provide insights into the community that people would be moving to. So what restaurants are great, what What's the schools like? What are the transportation, uh, the public transportation like? What are some of the great, uh, you know, things to do, the great uh, elements that bring the community together that someone from the outside might not know? But as a realtor, if you have a podcast and you share some of the insights of those of that community, well, when people are ready to then go buy a house in that community, they're going to look to you first. Yeah, you're creating yourself or positioning yourself as an authority on that topic or subject or area. But let me ask you about that. And these are great examples of more traditional brick and mortar businesses that could benefit from podcasting. I have to think that immediately a small business owner like that would think, first, I have no time for that. And a lot of that gets alleviated by businesses like yours that help you get everything, all the noise taken care of, all of the infrastructure. But the other thing I have to believe is a barrier is people think, oh, my voice isn't good enough, or I I wouldn't be able to perform, or people don't want to hear me talk. What do you say to those people? Well, I guess the big thing I would say is their friends, when they're sitting around talking, their friends aren't telling them to shut up because they have a bad voice or anything like that. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're trying to just create an authentic connection. Like you want to let people see what you're really like. Uh, that's the way they're going to really get to know, like, and trust you. It is not by trying to be the most polished. Obviously, uh, you want to have some professional professionalism there. You want to have some level of professional there, but you want to make sure you're bringing in your personality as well, because that's what people are going to connect with. It's really that personality. You don't want to throw things together, but you want to make sure you give insights into who you are, what you're really like. And everybody hates their voice. Like no one loves listening to, I still don't like listening and editing uh, my own shows uh, or listening back at because there are just so many things that I think I can do better. We all hate uh, those kind of things. So I would try to encourage them to get it, get that piece out of your mind. And the only way you can do that is by moving forward and taking action. I know. So like I mentioned, I work with, uh, I came out of that speaking world. And so a lot of my original clients were all speakers. It was still amazed me at how these people who could easily stand up in front of rooms of five to 10,000 people, no problem commanding the stage, but sit them down in front of a microphone where they're talking in that microphone and they get all nervous. They get hesitant. They're hesitant. They have some resistance for it just because it's a new, new medium, a new way of connecting. So ultimately, I think you need to lean into that resistance and just keep moving forward. Yeah, great advice, Nick. I agree with it all. We we all suffer from that. We all struggle with that. I, I think one of the ways that it was put to me as well that, that helped me certainly is we all have our unique voice and we're not trying to get everybody to like us. We're just trying to build our tribe, right? Our group of raving fans, as you put it. Exactly. That is completely correct. It really is about connecting with the people who you're meant to connect with. And yeah, for you're not going to be right for some people, but that's okay. That's actually a good thing because ultimately you don't you're not trying to appeal to just the masses. You're trying to appeal to your target audience, to those specific people. And so we focus a lot on podcasting as a way to generate business. So we're looking to appeal to those people who are who are ideal clients of your business. And that's not going to be everybody and it should not be everybody especially right away. Uh, even if your product could potentially have mass appeal, you don't have the time, money or energy to market to everybody all at once. You want to start with a very specific niche and really dive in and go after that specific niche, get some momentum there, and then you can naturally start to grow that niche uh, out. And so really focusing in on those who connect with you is ultimately the key. So I got to think, Nick, that's one of the places you recommend to your clients to get started is identifying that ideal client. Absolutely. So we have 
uh, these foundational questions that we walk through with every client that we also in our courses we talk about first in our challenge we talk about first as well because I think that's where it all starts so one element of that is that target audience and where you specifically start is going to depend a little bit on what your current business is and where you are in kind of that process um, so you're either going to start with that target audience, figuring out, okay, who are the exact people I want to talk to? And this is more than demographics. Like it's more than, you know, females 25 to 35. That can help, but that's not really what we care about. What we care about more is those psychographics, those things that people are going to connect with. Are these people who uh, are values the same? Are they, you know, say, crossfitters who are into paleo like that you want to get like very specific that way because that's going to help you nail down the right mindset that people have that's ultimately where you're where you're trying to target down is mindset um for your for your uh, target audience then the next thing that you're going to really look at is what is your overall objective you know are you trying to book more speaking gigs are you trying to bring more clients bring more customers into your store like what is that ultimate objective that you want to happen because depending on what that objective is is going to influence how you brand yourself it's going to influence the content that you create it's going to influence a lot of the decisions that are going to happen further on down the line so those are really the two big questions that people need to focus on then we have several others as well to really start thinking about as you get going in this process yeah, no, good, good stuff there. I got to think, though, Nick, that even after people answer all those questions, define their avatar or ideal client, that people still get stuck. I'm sure you find that. Why is that? And how do you help people then finally take that first step to overcome that resistance like you've talked about? Yeah, uh, the thing that really so there's a couple of sticking points that we always see. And, and really what it is, is about getting over that that fear. So one of the big questions that I like to always try and get out of the way as quickly as possible uh, is just the equipment question. People get overwhelmed by all this stuff. You know, if you have an iPhone or something similar, there's there is a nice audio recording button on there like to record voice memos. If that's what we need to use to get you started because you're too worried about other equipment, then let's use that. Let's make it as simple as possible. Yeah, I can improve your audio quality by recommending mics and mixers and other things like that, but ultimately we need to make things as easy for you as possible. So take the equipment down to as basic as you need it in order to get started. So if it's hitting the record on the on your phone, awesome. Let's do that. The next big thing is just content creation. What do I even talk about? Um, people are often concerned about that. So we have a little exercise called the 10 tens. All I want you to do is grab a piece of paper and write down the 10 most frequently asked questions that you get. And if you're a business owner already, you know, up and running, this should be fairly easy. Your customers are likely asking some sort of questions of you. So just write down the 10 most frequently asked questions that you have. Then on kind of the flip side, write down the questions that your customers should be asking but aren't for whatever reason. Maybe they don't know they need to be asking these questions. So go through and write down those 10 questions. And right there, you're going to have 20 potential pieces of content. Likely, that's not going to lead, you know, that's not necessarily going to be 20 episodes, but that's going to give you a place to start. You know, you can figure out how to combine them, how you can figure out common themes. It's going to give you that little bit of a jumping off platform. And then, in terms of actually producing your first few episodes, what I recommend uh, is to start out and have an intro episode. So, you want to tell people who you are. Uh, what the podcast is all about, why you're going to be, why you're starting the podcast, what it's really going to be about, uh, and then why you're that expert in that area. And by expert, all I'm meaning is you are a step or two ahead of your audience. You don't necessarily need to be a person on the top of the mountain that has all the answers. You are just a little further down the path and kind of shook and can show them where some of the potholes might be, some of the obstacles that they need to watch out for uh, and help make their progress there a uh, little bit faster, help them get results sooner. That's ultimately what you're doing in your position is you're helping those who are slightly behind you. 
Right, right. Yeah, great takeaways there, and particularly the the ten question thing. I think that's one of the things I'm sure you observe as well as I do. Is people get excited, they get started, and then they run out of ideas, and then they fade out. That's one of the reasons, also because they realize there's some work involved, right? Right. But I love that, and I think if you can't come up with those ten questions then maybe you're not listening to your customers enough is one thing I would submit. What else do you think are some of the key elements that make a great podcast? Once once we've gotten started, we've worked out the kinks, We because those first few shows, I'm sure you agree, are going to be rough. And that's, I think, back to the critical point of you just have to get started. But once you get over that, what are some of the key things you think, Nick, that make for a great show? Yeah, and I would completely agree. It's your voice, you, the content you create is always going to be changing because it is a lot of, you know, trying to get your feet under you a little bit. Uh, you're going to be nervous. Thing, the, your first episodes aren't, they, they, frankly, they're just not going to be that great. Like it takes some time to figure out how to handle this medium. It takes some time to figure out what your message really is. Um, so in terms of elements of a great podcast, Ultimately, what you want to do is you want to provide value to your audience in some way, uh, figure out what is going to provide value for them. Usually that's going to look like, one, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be some engaging stories, potentially. It's going to be having great guests on that help them think in a different way. Uh, And then it's going to be a little bit of how-to, potentially. Uh, A lot of this is going to depend on your type of who your target audience is. Uh, I like to recommend for most of our clients and for most of the people we work with, because again, they're trying to grow a business, generally a business that it revolves around them in some way. A lot of them are personal brands to some extent. We, I recommend four types of content. The first one is those solo episodes. So it's where you're just in front of the microphone. It's just you. No one else is on the line and you're just teaching and adding value. What that type of episode does is that it ultimately position helps position you as kind of that go-to expert. It positions you as someone who has information that they can share. It positions you as someone who can help their audience, your audience, solve a problem. And that's ultimately what you want to do if you're going to get, say, coaching clients, speaking clients, or get other people to come into your business. So you want to be sure you have some of those episodes. The second type is those interview types with other potential influencers, thought leaders, other people who have some sort of audience and have some sort of expertise in a specific area. Now, the reason you want to do those these type of episodes is because uh, if you have a good guest, that guest is, one, going to provide value and a different angle for your audience, provide something for them to think about that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Even if it's just a slight variation on the way you normally discuss a topic, it's going to uh, give a certain amount of your audience a new way to look at things. The other thing that they're going to do is if they're, as a guest, they're doing their job right, in my opinion, is they're going to help drive more people to your podcast episode. And a certain amount of their audience is then going to potentially is going to like their the episode they're on and then potentially subscribe to your podcast, which is ultimately going to help grow your podcast in the long run. It's a little bit of a slower growth because most of the times you're, especially right away, you're not going to be able to track those big name influencers, but ultimately that's going to be the uh, very quick way to start growing your audience is just to have great guests on who are going to drive some of their audience there. Now there is a third type of content that I think Uh, most podcasters are honestly missing, and that is uh, case studies. So if you are a coach or a speaker or uh, even an author, or if you are somehow delivering a result to your audience, to people who work with you, bring some of them on to share, okay, this is their journey with the strategies we've been talking about. So if it's Myself, I'm going to bring on people who have gone through my course. I'm going to bring on clients who we helped get launched, and I'm going to have them talk about, okay, what was it like 
before you worked with your podcast guru? What were some of the things that you were struggling with? What didn't work very well? Okay, what are some of the strategies that we helped put in place? What are the things that really resonated with you that you took action on? And then what are the results that you're getting? Because what you're really doing with that type of content, with the case study, is you're showing that, hey, I can help get you results. Our business can help get results. And this is why you should potentially work with us. You're kind of setting yourself up. Uh, really, their testimonials is what this is really showing people. Yeah, no, uh, great stuff. That's, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and I, I don't think we see enough of that in the podcasting world because uh, these are great stories that your audience is going to be able to connect with because these are people from your audience. These are also people who have very similar problems and struggles to those that are in your audience. Well, I was going to say that that maybe the reason is because they're harder to get, but that's probably not true because I I, I have found that people, most people love to share their success story and maybe we're just not asking. I, I think that's the big thing is that we just don't even think to ask a lot of those because people... Uh, it can be difficult to ask for testimonials. I know some people have a hang up about that. I know I still don't really like asking for testimonials from people. But think about it this way. Say you are you have a community, maybe you have a Facebook community, or somehow you are seeing that someone is getting great results. They're sharing some results with you in some way, shape, or form. Well then what you all you have to do is say this is awesome. I would love to have you on the show to talk about the strategy you put in place and the results you're getting. And that's really what you're doing. You are uh, just kind of getting the experience. You, they don't need to talk about you and rave about you the whole time. You can talk very much about the strategy that they're putting in place and what they're doing. And the cool thing is that and essentially, they're going to be giving you a testimonial because they got that strategy, they got that idea from you uh, to kind of lead to those results, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And it's obviously an opportunity for them to share about their business. And, and let's face it, at the end of the day, everybody likes to talk about themselves and their successes and what they're doing, right? Absolutely. And the, the other thing I th don't think podcasters really realize is that you're ultimately building a community. And when you highlight someone from that community, and that could be as simple as answering somebody's question, that can be sharing a review, but when you highlight somebody from a community, so bringing somebody on as a case study is a big way to do that, you're in a sense kind of highlighting the entire community and everybody who knows that person, who's connected with them in some way, or even just knows that they're a fellow listener is going to feel a little bit extra special because you're highlighting the community. Yeah. Great, great takeaways. The solo episode is one that I struggle with sometimes because I doubt myself and the imposter syndrome comes in and says, who the heck wants to listen to me for 20 minutes? But, but what do you, what do you say to that fear? Yeah, we have that with a lot of clients. Like it's a common one for sure. It's definitely a common fear. Um, so what I recommend is go through and create, you know, just a script, just a little bit of an outline. I don't like to necessarily script out everything. I do a lot of bullet points. I still do bullet points for anything, any episode, any solo episode that I do, but just figure out, okay, this is going to be the hook. This is going to be my one, two, three bullet points that I talk about. Um, here's a story for bullet point one, number one. Here's a story for bullet point number Number two, here's a story for bullet point number three. Here's how we're going to wrap it all up. And then uh, I think you need to be okay with and just kind of let go of any sort of time requirement because that's one of the things that I do think uh, can influence a lot, can hold a lot of people back is they're so worried about hitting that 20-minute time requirement or that 30-minute time requirement. This is a podcast. The, with podcasts, one of the really nice things is that there are no, are no rules. There are some great podcasts out there that are 60 seconds long uh, and that are doing very well. There are also podcasts out there that are four hours plus that are doing very well. Don't be so hung up on trying to hit some convention that you think there needs to be. Just find out, okay, how can I deliver great value to our to my audience? So go through, plan out your episode as much as you need to, and just deliver that value. That's great. Yeah, great takeaway there. All right, so one of the things that we talk about, and you talk about, obviously, as a business benefit is list building, so that now we can follow up with our list of people. 
Uh, share a couple of tips, if you would, on building that list. For example, I mean, the obvious is that, and with the challenge, of course, we have as podcasters is that people are listening to us remotely at the gym, in the car, whatever, and they're not going to immediately respond to a call to action, at least in my experience. So when we get them on their website, we're trying to get their email, but just talk about that a little bit and some of the things you've seen that work well to build our list. Absolutely. So podcasting does kind of sit at that very top of the funnel. You know, it's a great way to kind of get the word out. Um, but then what a podcast does is that it helps starts to also nurture the relationship with people. And ultimately you want to get to nurture, you want to continue to nurture that relationship and slowly move people down the funnel. And one of the big next hurdles is that getting them to raise their hand, uh, to go from an anonymous listener to an email list subscriber, um, is where really where they're the most valuable because ultimately, like I said, we want to use the podcast to grow a business and ultimately sales happen through email. Relationships are built through podcasting. Sales happen through email. Uh, so one one of the best strategies really is to have some sort of content upgrade, some sort of lead magnet that connects to what you're talking about. So you could create something that is very general, that applies to a lot of your episodes, and just constantly have that call to action in there. Uh, and you want to make it as easy for your listeners as possible. So what we do with clients, what I've done on my own show is create a little call to action commercial uh, where literally at about 50 to 75% of the way through the episode, I will plop in essentially a commercial. Like we even have gone as far as having music play underneath it. We talk a little bit about what people will get from our lead magnet. Uh, and so this could be something like the podcast blueprint, or for me, I have a podcasting challenge. Uh, so it might be mentioning that, uh, and it can vary depending on the client, but it's really figuring out, okay, what is kind of that next step that we want people to take? Um, and then crafting some sort of lead magnet around it. Now the lead magnets that we have found to be the most successful are generally assessments, so some way where a person can find out where they are in relation to the topics that are being discussed. Like where are they? Like personality assessments have always been huge. So or so that's an, an example. Uh, but figuring out what could be the, your assessment. So say maybe you have five stages. In podcasting, we have five stages to building a podcasting business. So creating an assessment that helps people figure out which stage are they actually in could be a great potential lead magnet. Other great lead magnets include checklists. Those work really well, especially if you have some sort of system or process. Okay, let's create a checklist around that and get people to raise their hand. They just listen to an episode, a podcast episode all about, uh, you know, how to, they listen, just listen to a podcast episode and now you're going to tell them, okay, this is exactly how you go through and do this exact topic. You know, step one, step two, step three, step four, here's a checklist to make sure you don't miss anything. Um, and you can go through and create lots of those different ones. I recommend for podcasters to have at least one general one that you can use in every single episode, always have some sort of call to action in, in your episode and make the URL very easy. So it could be something like yourpodcastguru.com slash podcast blueprint. Or, or even making the URL completely unique like podcastingchallenge.com. Uh, and that would drive people really what, where those drive people is to a landing page. To a page that they can go to, opt in uh, by adding their email in order to get the deliverable. Really, that is one of the best ways to go about it and just to be very consistent in always having some sort of call to action uh, that people can go and take that next step. So once you have your general one for your website, general one for your podcast, I would then start slowly, don't get too crazy with this because I know it can overwhelm people, but start creating uh, speci episode-specific uh, opt-ins. Uh, so for example, for another show that we run, Downtown Madison Life, we just talked about uh, live music. So we talked about Concerts on the Square, which is an event that happens in front of the Capitol here in Madison. 
Well, we just, uh, as our opt-in, we created a live music venue guide. So people could go opt-in and get a guide of a bunch of different live music venues in Madison. And, you know, that's a perfect call to action. That's a perfect opt-in strategy for that particular episode. Great, great takeaways there. And you touched on it, Nick, but you do believe in requiring an email before you, before anybody gets any of the downloads uh, or what are your thoughts on that? It definitely helps. Um, I, it doesn't, it can depend. You really, what you need to do is you need to think about what does my overall funnel look like? So we mentioned, you know, podcasting as kind of the way to attract people to your business in general, build up a little bit of nurture. And then you have on the other end, you have your main objective, you know, book you to speak, buy your product, whatever that may be. And you need to think about how, what steps need to happen in order to get down to that line. So there are times where it makes sense just to make it completely free. Most of the time we don't do that. Uh, the only times we would is if we have some sort of free offer with then uh, either an opt-in right below it or uh, a paid product, a very generally a very cheap paid product or an inexpensive paid product right below that that we think a lot of the people who go there listen to the free video or, for example, would want to actually get that paid product right away and it's a very kind of impulse purchase. So that way we would then get them onto a list of some sort. Yeah. Okay, great. Great takeaway there. All right, I want to ask quickly before we start to wrap it up on being a guest on podcasts, just your quick thoughts on that, using that as a strategy. I often have been told that that might be a good way to get started in the whole world of podcasting. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, definitely. So one, it definitely is a great way to get started in the podcasting world because podcasters need content. Um, and as you kind of alluded to, it can be many podcasters Ha still have a hesitation about getting in front of the microphone to just record their solo episodes. So, and it can just be difficult to have to come up with those like content for every single episode on their own. So being a guest is a great way to help your, uh, to help other podcast creators uh, get a message out. Uh, ultimately, you want to make sure that their audience aligns with yours, at least enough, uh, where you're going to add value, where you're going to be able to bring a little bit of a different angle to uh, the general topic of the, of the podcast. Um, but really, it's a great way to kind of get your feet wet, to see, okay, yeah, I enjoy being in front of a microphone. I can handle being in front of a microphone. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily – ideally, I would like you to have some familiarity with it. I, I don't think that should be just where you jump in because also remember, you are creating content for someone else's audience. So there is definitely a pressure on you to make sure that that content is – done well, um, that you're adding value to that person's audience because it is a privilege to be on their podcast. Uh, but when you do, when you add value, when you do things well, it can be a great way to start rapidly growing your audience, especially if you make podcast guest appearances a regular thing. If you're kind of making the circuit, if you will, and being on as many podcasts as you possibly can, then you're going to start growing your audience if you do a few things correctly, if you always have that call to action, uh, you know, so have some sort of lead magnet or some sort of next step that relates to the content you're talking about. Um, and so going through making sure you have that and making sure you build out what we call um, an audience acceleration sequence. So if someone, if say I'm a guest on a podcast, I deliver a call to action. People go grab that lead magnet. Well, then they're going to get a nurture sequence. Generally, we start out with a five-step one where they're going to slowly be introduced and you're going to continue to add more value to that person uh, and then ultimately make some sort of offer on that final fifth step because uh, what I've found is people are never as excited about you as when they first sign up for your email list. So we want to help maintain momentum, uh, help deliver value very quickly up front, and then try to get them to become customers and clients, take that first step early on in the process so that then they can kind of move down that road of becoming a raving fan. 
Great, great, valuable stuff. Thanks for sharing that there, Nick. And so with that, let's uh, have you summarize, if you will, give us the brief elevator pitch on the services you offer through your podcast guru. Yeah, we actually have a few different ones. Uh, So the bread and butter really is uh, podcasts, a done for you podcast production service. So our big focus is to allow content creators to just focus on what they do best teaching and creating great content. And then we take care of everything else. We take care of all the rest. So all they have to do is sit down, record the content. We help with the strategy. We help with all the branding. We do all the editing, show notes, emails to your list, do a lot of social media marketing for you as well, uh, and really take care of all that behind the scenes stuff. So we do that as kind of the main piece of the business. We also have a course, Podcasting for Profits. You can find it at podcastingforprofitscourse.com. That really teaches people our process, how uh, we go through and do everything uh, and then the systems that we have put in place in order to be able to produce 12 to 18 episodes every single week uh, and just how we can maintain that process while having a very high quality of content. Um, So that's a great place if people just want to dive in and figure it out for themselves. We also have kind of this other side of the business, which is uh, being guests on podcasts. We help line people up uh, so that they can do guest appearances and then have those systems in place so that they can actually get the most out of them. Um, and you can find that at yourpodcastguru.com slash expert database. Uh, but for your audience, what I'd recommend if they want to dive into being a guest on a podcast, what I'm going to do is actually, since we talked about it a little bit and we talked about the audience acceleration sequence, I'll pull out one of the modules, one of the lessons from our course uh, that accompanies Expert Database and just give it to your audience. If they head on over to yourpodcastguru.com slash H-O-B. Well, I haven't done that yet. So as we're talking right here, but we'll go through and we'll pull that out for you guys uh, so that you can learn how to be, how to best set yourself up for success as a guest on a podcast. Fantastic. Thanks for that. And we'll have a link to that on the show notes page of this episode at thehowabusiness.com. So I appreciate that, Nick. Absolutely. Nick, what do you love most about what you do today? Uh, For me, I really love hearing people's stories. Um, So really hearing about how they've built their business. Uh, So I get to hear a lot of that, uh, you know, as uh, in the kind of the production side, as we kind of work on everything. Uh, But then I just also started a brand new show here um, all about downtown Madison. So I'm going out into, into the community, hearing a lot of stories from business owners about the struggles they've had, about why they started this business, about the good times, the bad times, and just what they're hoping, what their mission really is. That's probably my, the thing I love the most is just hearing some of those stories, hearing how, uh, and hearing the passion that people have for the businesses that they're creating. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Is there a book that uh, you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, Absolutely. So right now I am in the middle of reading Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday. It's his brand new book. I am also a big fan of Ryan in general. Um, He wrote The Ego is the Enemy and Obstacle is the Way. all three of those books are awesome, and I I would highly, highly recommend those. But really what he's teaching you in Perennial Seller, I can't quite say the word, but in that book, what he is teaching you is how to create something that is more than just that flash in the pan, something that is going to be a seller you know, long-term and to look at things in terms of decades and creating some. So he gives a lot of example of books that have lasted 10 years plus, uh, Kill Mockingbird type books or uh, bands like Iron Maiden that have these phenomenal sales but are kind of underground that really they're the sales are driven by the community, by the people, how we talked about a little bit earlier, how you want to kind of almost divide your audience and have people who really connect with you, who really resonate with you, and that those are the people you need to create content for. So I highly recommend as a content creator, people check out those book, that book. Great recommendation. I love his books as well. I have not read this one. Um, I was not even aware of it, so I appreciate that. And we'll have links to it as well 
on the show notes page. All right, we'll wrap it up with these last two questions. Last parting piece of advice or something I didn't ask you about, specifically in this topic that we've stayed on, on using podcasting to help me grow a small business. Ultimately, it's to really go out there and to just take action, to push past that resistance, to really lean into it and just get started. Um, We have a little challenge, the five day to get started podcasting challenge. People can go check that out at podcastingchallenge.com. But what it really comes down to is I just want you to start creating content that's going to add value to your audience. Right now, you can go live on Facebook, just audio. So if you're nervous about being on video or anything like that, just go live using uh, your audio only and just start getting a feel of what's that, what that's like. Or simply at the very basic level, just start recording short little episodes when you're out and about, when you just had a question from a client come in, record an answer uh, on your phone and just get used to creating that content and then get it to a level where you're comfortable enough where you can go and actually release it in the world in a public way. Uh, that's really where I recommend people start is just getting used to taking action get and getting some results. Build on it along the way. Don't ever expect that it needs to be perfect when you get started because it's not going to be. It never is, It's never going to be perfect. You're always going to want to improve things. Uh, you're always going to want to change things. You're, you're always going to want to make things better. So really just get started, get moving, and iterate as you go. Yeah, great advice. I think one of the ways I've heard it put before as well is that don't worry so much about nobody listening at the start because your shows are not going to be very good at the start. So it's okay, right? Exactly. But great. Thanks for that insight. Where would you like uh, our listeners again to go online to find out more about you and about your business? I mentioned a few URLs throughout, uh, but the main one is yourpodcastguru.com. And then if you want to connect on social media, uh, I am Nick Paul Kuski at everywhere. Um, So Facebook, uh, just look for Nick Paul Kuski. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, all those fun things. Uh, if you want to join kind of our podcasting community, we have a free Facebook group at powerofpodcastingcommunity.com. That's a great place to connect with other people who are on this same journey of getting started in the podcasting world. Fantastic. And again, lots of links we've talked about, including the free download offer that Nick is offering. We'll have all of that on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Uh, or any of the links that Nick mentioned, including yourpodcastguru.com. Nick, uh, I'm hoping and trusting my audience is going to get some tremendous benefit out of this, but I can tell you that I did. I've become a better podcaster now just in listening to your tips and advice, and I've started already consuming a lot of your content online. So thanks for sharing, and thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Awesome. Henry, thank you so much for having me. And I would love to hear from the How of Business audience members out there what their big takeaways are. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of the How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of the How of Business. Thank you for listening to the How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.